to Geography Lessons with Miss Sangha. So today we're going to be looking at another A-level topic, um, specifically looking at a human topic and we're going to be covering changing places today which is a nice interesting topic in the A-level curriculum. So firstly let's look at the concept of place. So place means something different to everybody. The first place you tend to think of is your home because that's where you live, you have all your possessions there and memories. Um, but it can mean something different to everybody. So to those in planning, place may be referred to a built environment, um, to artists or writers. They attempt to evoke place in their work. And to a philosopher, place might be a way of being in the world. Um, but if we look specifically at geographers, broadly speaking, we refer to three different aspects of place. So we have location, locale and sense of place. So if we apply this to an example of Glastonbury, so the location is that Glastonbury is a county of Somerset and it's located around 23 miles south of Bristol. And then if we look at the local, we have the fact that Glastonbury has its own unique character. It's home to a number of visitor attractions, including the Glastonbury Abbey and the Glastonbury Tour. And then in terms of sense of place, Glastonbury is a place of great spiritual importance for people who are interested in kind of religious connections or the King Arthur, the King Arthur affiliation. Um, for many others, Glastonbury evokes emotions about international music festivals, um, th the one that takes place most years. Um, so it does mean something different to different people. So from those explanations, write down a definition of what you think local means, what location means and what sense of place means. And then if you want to just pause this podcast and then I will go through what those key terms actually mean. So local, this is the place where something happens or where something is set or that has particular events associated with it. And then location is where a place actually is. So for example, this could be coordinates on a map. And then sense of place, this is something that's subjective and um, people have and it's to do with the emotional attachment that people have to a place so people tend to develop a sense of place through experience and knowledge of a location and then a few other key terms that are useful within this section include perception of place so that's the way that a place has been viewed or regarded by people and it can be influenced by media representation or by personal experience and then the term place, it's defined as a location with meaning. So places can be meaningful to individuals in ways that are personal or subjective. Places can also be meaningful at social or cultural level. And these meanings can be shared by different groups of people. And then finally, a key term that we should be aware of is placemaking. And this is the deliberate shaping of an environment to facilitate social interaction and to improve a community's quality of life. 
So now that we've covered some of the key terms, let's look at the theoretical approaches to plays. So there are three main approaches um, which the study of place has been divided into. So the first one is a descriptive approach and that's the idea that the world is a set of places and each place can be studied and is distinct. Then we have the social constructionist approach and this sees place as a product of a particular set of social processes that occur at a particular time. So, for example, Trafalgar Square was built to commemorate a British naval victory in the 1800s and using a social constructionist approach could be understood as a place of empire and colonialism. Now, this next one is a little bit difficult to say, but it's the feminological approach and it's not interested in the unique characteristics of a place or why it was, in, why it was constructed. Essentially, it's interested in how an individual person experiences place and it recognises a highly personal relationship between place and person. So the work of the jog of two geographers called Tuan and Ralph is particularly important here. So Tuan developed the term topophilia and this describes the effective bond between people and place. And it's argued that it's through human perception and experience that we get to know places. Um, Ralph argues that the degree of attachment, involvement and concern that a person or group has for a particular place is uh, critical in our understanding of place. So there are some overlaps between these three approaches. Um, but it would be inaccurate to say that one approach is more important than other than the other sorry so it is important to kind of consider all three approaches when you're looking at place so now if we look at the importance of place in human life and experience so the importance of place can be explored by looking at its impact on three different aspects and those are identity belonging and well-being the placemaking movement which has expanded rapidly in recent years places great emphasis on all three of these aspects so let's start off looking at identity so place is quite um critical to the construction of identity so firstly it's the sense of place that has developed in relation to our own home and our local geographical area so by reading local newspapers or playing for a local team or attending local events, they all foster a sense of local place. So identity is evident at a number of scales. So we have localism, which is kind of an affection for or emotional ownership of a particular place. Um, this rarely manifests itself in a political sense, but more in a sense where people are reluctant to have their own area affected by development, kind of this sense of not in my backyard. And then we have regionalism, which is consciousness of and loyalty to a distinct region with a population that shares similarities with the person. And then we have nationalism, which is loyalty and devotion to a nation. Um, this creates a sense of national consciousness. Um, patriotism is um, could be considered an example of a sense of place. Um, so furthermore, many people do tend to identify with a place at a national level 
and this is usually strengthened by a common language or national anthem flag and through cultural and kind of sporting events. So a resurgence in the Welsh language and culture has highlighted a stronger national identity amongst the Welsh in recent years. Um, religion can also be used to foster a sense of identity in a place. So at a local level, churches, churches, mosques, synagogues, um, gurdwaras are places where people from the same religious identity come together to worship. Um, this can also be used in other larger sacred places like Bethlehem or Mecca where people go on pilgrimages. The power of place in political protests has also arisen recently. So in London, the Occupy movement, which campaigns against social and economic inequality globally, camped outside the St Paul's Cathedral in the financial heart of the city. So um, this is something that does happen quite often. So recognisable sites are often chosen um, in different parts of the world. Um, as the Occupy movement, for example, it relies on the power of place to attract attention and to lodge itself in people's memories. And then if we look at a global sense of place, so the geographer Doreen Massey, she wrote about a global sense of place and she questioned the idea that places are static. She argued that instead they're dynamic, they have multiple identities and they don't have they don't have to have boundaries. She used her own local um, area to illustrate that idea that um, places are constantly changing um, in the wider world. Um, she argued that the character of a place can be seen and understood by linking that place to places beyond. Um, and she concluded by saying what we need is a global sense of the local and a global sense of place. So then if we look at globalisation of place, so some argue that globalisation has made place less important as global capitalism has kind of eroded local cultures and produced um, identical places or hom homogenised places is a good keyword to use. Um, this can be seen through the presence of global chains like Starbucks all over high streets, all over the world. Um, so it kind of seems that every place is like no place in particular, especially James Kunstler, who talked about a geography of nowhere, where processes like urban sprawl have led to community-less cities. Um, covering huge areas of countryside with identical shopping malls, car parks and roads. Um, the term clone town is used in the UK to describe settlements where the high street is dominated by chain stores. The term placelessness has also been used to describe these places. So some places and cultures are resisting the power of globalisation. This can be seen in the town called Totnes in Devon, where they have an anti-Costa campaign. Um, and this is what's known as globalization, where multi multinational companies are also increasingly having to adopt to the local marketplace. One example of this is the McDonald's franchise. So... 
Um, in order to increase profits globally, McDonald's have adapted their brand and product to their local marketplace. So, for example, in India, beef has been removed from the menu, while in Muslim countries, pork has been removed and the number of McCafes have increased in countries with a coffee culture. So now if we look at localization of place, so place has become a political symbol for people who are fighting against global capitalism. Um, a specific response has been that there's a greater focus on local place and the promotion of local goods and services. Um, so as we discussed, Totnes in southern, in South Devon. They really are encouraging people to shop locally and they want to keep their money in the local economy. Um, the idea that people are being encouraged to spend locally, this means that less money will leak out of the local area and get lost in the global financial systems. So this local currency that was introduced in 2012 it's so successful that since 2015, local people have been able to use this local currency and make council tax payments. So now that we've looked at identity, let's move on to looking at the concept of belonging. So in the context of place, to belong is to be kind of part of a community. So belonging is increasingly being seen as a key factor that makes a place suitable and successful. So regeneration schemes often tend to focus on the social environment as much as the built environment um, and they different a agencies and individuals tend to work to try and have a positive impact on how people feel about the place where they live. So if we look at the transition town movement, this is, a, this is an initiative that places great emphasis on community involvement and it has been successful in developing a clearer sense of belonging in places all over the world. So it's an, an initiative that really places emphasis on community. So it looks at food growing groups, um, community owned uh, bakeries, building community relationships, um, and really getting everybody involved so that they um, really embrace the place where they live. So there are a number of factors that might affect how people might feel a sense of belonging in a place. Um, if you want to pause and think about some of these factors before I go through them, um, pause it right here. So there are a number of factors and these include age, gender, socioeconomic status, sexuality, religion and level of education. Race and ethnicity can also be linked to a sense of belonging. Um, but ethnicity is a broader concept that can be defined as belonging to a social group that has a common nationality or cultural tradition like language and ancestry but as globalization and migration have increased places are becoming more ethnically diverse 
So London is often referred to as one of the world's most multicultural cities. It has multiple um, festivals, such as the it celebrates the largest Chinese New Year festival outside of China, and also other um, celebrations like Vasaki, which is a Sikh festival, um, and Diwali, which is a Hindu festival. And it also has a festival for Arab culture as well. Um, even though it has a multicultural status, there are still ethnic clusters in parts of London. So you have um, Chinatown and Banglatown. Um, and these are kind of dedicated shops and services. So now that we've looked briefly at belonging, let's take a look at well-being. So... So this is something that is quite subjective also. Individuals have different views about what makes a place great. Um, so even though places like Skipton, Newman um, are deemed to be um, the best places to live in places in Britain, um, it's likely that not all the residents would agree with this opinion. Um, there are great features that obviously make it more generally accepted to be important in promoting happiness and well-being, but there are different factors that are important to different groups. Um, and as we've discussed with the sense of belonging, age and gender and all those different factors also influence people's feelings and perceptions towards different places. So now let's move on to insider and outsider perspectives. So as we discussed earlier, um, people who tend to live within a place are more likely to oppose developments in their local area than those who live outside of the place. Um, and there's the term to describe this called NIMBY, which essentially is an acronym for the phrase not in my backyard. Um, and it tends to be described when looking at oppositions to developments like new housing estates or wind farms and fracking prospects and it's the local people who have this opinion. So there is this notion of people, activities and events being seen as in place and out of place. So the phrase that a place for everything and everything in its place is something that suggests that there's a particular ordering of things in the world um, and geographer Tim Cresswell argues that people, things and practices are often strongly linked to particular places and when these links are broken or when people have acted out of place they're deemed to have committed some something of a crime um, so graffiti on historical buildings or litter in an area of outstanding beauty are examples of this um, and the people who commit these acts are seen as outsiders and views um, about outsiders have changed a lot over the years so in the past um, travellers, protesters um, and people of different sexual orientations would be seen as outsiders um, even um, phrases like a woman's place is in the home is also a stereotypical view that makes pe makes women feel uncomfortable leaving their houses 
but has since changed. So different people will perceive places in different ways. Um, so a key term, which is positionality, refers to factors like gender, race, ethnicity, age, religion, politics, socioeconomic status, which influence how we perceive different places. So the significance that an individual or group attaches to a particular place um, can be influenced by feelings of belonging or alienation, um, so a sense of being an insider or an outsider. We also know that some places hold value for some people and not others, so places that are deemed to be religious um, and things like that. Place attachment also develops through positive experiences associated with a place, but not everyone will have the same experiences. And as we get older, experiences of place change. So when you were younger, you would get excited about going to the local playground, but as an adult, you probably wouldn't share that same excitement. So moving on from this, one group of people who are often referred to as out of place are migrants. Deaths of migrants in the Mediterranean has highlighted how many people are trying to reach for a better life in Europe and they're trying to escape conflict. But as people without place, such refugees present a crisis to state power. In the United Kingdom, media reports and anti-migration groups have used metaphors associated with water, blood, disease to describe the influx of refugees. This negative terminology has meant that the presence of migrants has been met with a lot of resistance and a lot of people say that we need to protect our place and our culture against people who don't belong here. Now let's move on to categories of place. So the first one is near places and far places. This can have several potential meanings when it comes to place. It can refer to the geographical distance between places. Um, equally, they could describe the emotional connection with a particular place and how comfortable a person feels within that place. Some places feel more familiar than others. That's partly due to personal experience but also because of frequent representational exposure. The key point is that geographically near places do not automatically foster identities of familiarity and belonging, and that in these days of globalised culture, travel and media, far-off places are not automatically strange, uncomfortable and different. And then we have experienced place and media place. So experienced places are those that a person has spent time with, time in, sorry, whereas media places are those that the person has only read about or seen on social media or on film. Um, so the reality of a place can be far different to that that you see on social media. Um, and this is most clearly seen through the portrayal of rural places. So for a long time, the countryside in the UK was idealised and countryside living has been stereotyped as involving a happy, healthy and close-knit community, experiencing few of the problems that we see in urban life. Um, geographer Paul Cloak 
has looked extensively at rurality and argues that these magazines and children's books that reinforce this nostalgic image of the countryside they don't really show issues like unemployment and underemployment and the scarce availability of affordable housing and the reduction in public transport services the um, disadvantaged low income households in rural areas and also rural homelessness has also been hidden within away from media so nobody is really aware of these problems whereas cities are often stereotyped in a negative way um, economic and social deprivation homelessness crime vandalism pollution are just some of the um, images that we think of when we um, look at cities especially in britain um, it is true that these problems do exist um, but it's wrong to assume that all cities are the same successful regeneration of urban areas has made city living far more attractive recently and finally let's look at factors that contribute to the character of places so the character of a place refers to the physical and human features that help to distinguish it from another place so this character might be strongly linked to the natural environment but more often it's a combination of natural and cultural features in the landscape and it generally does include the people who occupy the place. So these characteristics are known as endogenous factors and these are ones that originate internally and they might include aspects of the site or land in which the place is built such as height, relief, drainage, geology, soil type, availability of resources. They may also include the demographic and economic characteristics of the place, as well as aspects of the built environment and infrastructure. So some places might have an industrial story, whereas others might have developed as agricultural places, or tourist resorts when places start to develop and grow they mostly just have one distinct function as the place develops these exogenous external factors become more important and the importance of the initial functions diminish as technological advances occur so exogenous factors are those that have an external cause or origin this might include links or influences from other places distances from and routeways to other places and the accessibility of the place. Deindustrialization has brought a whole scale change in the economic structure of places and it's led to unemployment and urban decline in cities that had a traditional manufacturing base. Likewise, mining, steel and shipbuilding towns also had to adapt to the challenges that were brought about by globalisation. The increasing mobility of people has also affected place and this can sometimes lead to conflict. On a local scale, the construction of a new housing estate may be seen to affect the character of a place as land use changes and newcomers move into the area. The purchase of second homes in seaside resorts and gentrification in cities have also been thought by many to bring about change in the character and communicate 
community of places um, and then also the impact of international migration as people from all over the world um, settle in places in the UK sometimes forming diasporas and creating a more multicultural society. So that was just an introduction to the human topic, changing places. I hope you enjoyed and learned something. And remember to write down some of these key terms that you might not have come across before and feel free to listen to this podcast again if you did find it helpful thanks again for listening